Well, to let y'all know of something new we got going on, we are podcasting now. Um, Every week the sermon is made available on iTunes and several other uh, platforms including Spotify, um, Spreaker, and Google Podcasts just approved us. Uh, We'll be on iHeartRadio soon, hopefully. Um, And here's the good thing. It's not costing us a dime for free. So very, very grateful for that. So if you uh, have to miss a Sunday and you want to subscribe to the Sermon Podcast, just go to your favorite platform, your favorite app, and search for Druid Hills United Methodist Church. And we should be the only one to pop up. Um, So you can subscribe there and be notified whenever there's new audio available. And another good way to let people find out what we're about by hearing the sermon. So that's also a good way of um, letting people know about your church. And yes, we are still doing Facebook Live. We are We're modern around here, believe it or not. (laughs) This morning we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 3, and then skipping ahead to the latter part of verse 11 and going through verse 32. Luke 15, 1 through 3, and then 11 through 32. Hear these words now. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. They made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. The horror. So Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. 
His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all the time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And this is the word of God for us, God's people. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. This is a familiar passage. But God, we pray today that we would hear something new something we've not thought about before, something we've not noticed before. So we invite you into this place to minister to us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I'm about to share with you all a pretty personal story. And y'all remember, I've not always been a pastor. I have a past, just like a lot of people do. I worked as a radio DJ, and I've I've shared that detail before. And I um, was in 2003, I moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana, to take a job at a radio station up there. And this station billed itself as the party station in town. Now, I was about as far away from everything and everybody that I'd ever known in my life as I've ever been. In fact, that is the furthest away I've ever been up to, you know, for a significant amount of time. So I felt like I had to keep that image up, and boy, did I. I got into marijuana, I got into alcohol, women, y'all know. And then it was, and I kept that up for a while, trying to fill something inside me that was empty. And remember last week when I talked about God inviting us all to his table and God telling us that he has the good food that can fulfill us and yet we're buying food that won't sustain us. Well, that's exactly what I was doing. That's, that, was, that was me. I was buying the food that couldn't sustain me. And so it was in 2005 on a spring evening, I was in my apartment and I don't know really what prompted it in particular, but I'm just thinking about the bad path that I'm on. Thinking about my life going nowhere. Thinking about the path of destruction that I'm on thinking about how I'm emptier then than I had ever recalled being. There's a song by the singer Plum that talks about the God-shaped hole in all of us. And what I didn't understand is that hole that I was trying to fill with all of that, all of that junk was a hole that only God could fill because he was the only one that would fit. 
So I, I'm sitting there thinking that I got to make a change, that something's got to give. And then I was when a voice in my head and, and, and I will swear to the day that I'm dead that this was God talking to me by the power of the Holy Spirit. The voice said, you can't keep doing this. And I had the realization then that if I continued on this path that I was on, that, that I was going to end up dead. And I don't just mean physically, I, I mean spiritually dead, condemned, separated from God forever. And I realized that I could not, in fact, keep doing that. And it was that night in my apartment in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that I got on my knees and I asked God to forgive me and to let me come home. And he did. Since then, I've had, I guess, several what I could call prodigal moments, but this particular episode is one that, this is what began the big turnaround in my life. And it's not been perfect. I've done my share of screwing up before, uh, since then, but that was the big turnaround moment for me. And God has used that in a lot of ways to, to keep me on, the, on his path. We all have our stories. We all have a past, maybe not to that degree. But we all have a story. We all have that moment in our lives that we had to, we were at a crossroads and we had to make a choice. Maybe that's still being worked out for you. But hear this, if you get absolutely nothing else out of today, if you don't hear another word I say, if I put you to sleep, I want you to hear this, is that it's never too late. That God's promise of redemption and reconciliation and yes, resurrection, that resurrecting of a spiritual life that is dead, that's an offer that never expires. God is always ready to welcome us home. And Jesus illustrates that perfectly when he's relating this story of the prodigal son, as we've come to call it over the years. This story of, of a young man who was greedy and was trying to fill that hole in his life with things that he ought not have been trying to fill it with. You know, this, this sin that he, he, he did was a great, big Sin that's hard to forgive. And, and it's not just because of what he did with his money. I, I'm not even talking about that in this sense. Because here's the really big, and not that God looks at one sin bigger than another, but, if, but we do, let's just be honest. And in my book, here's the bigger sin that the son con uh, did. When he asked for his inheritance, he said, I want it and I want it now. Give me what's mine, Dad. See, this was something unheard of back then. And here's why. It crossed a lot, of no, a lot of lines that were not crossed back then. But in a sense, what the son was saying is that, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's pretty much what he was saying. By saying, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you're actually dead. I wish you were dead now. Give me my money. That's basically what he was doing there.
Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be honest. I would, I would have a hard time being able to forgive someone that said something like that to me. I'd have a very hard time with that. And especially if, if that were my son and he made such a statement to me. And I, and I said, okay, son, fine, here it is. Like, like the father in this account did. Especially if I found out that he spent the inheritance, squandered it all on, well, probably a lot of the same stuff that I was talking about a little while ago. The sinful pursuits, the, as Ron White called it, the sins of the flesh. The great philosopher Ron White. I'm joking, by the way. But in all seriousness, this, this was a big sin. This was a big deal. And essentially what he's saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want my money now. But then eventually the money ran out, like it tends to do when one spends it on that kind of stuff. And then where we find the sun in the pigsty is his rock bottom. Now, if you've ever been at rock bottom, I've been there. I can tell you that when you're there and you can go no lower, you've got some time to reflect. You've got some time to think about things. And that's what he was doing. See, he was realizing the level at which he had hurt his father. He was realizing what he had done was greatly breaking his heart. He was realizing that he essentially had wished his father dead. And he knew that he had made bad choices and all it did was land him literally in this case in a pigsty. And that was no place he wanted to be. And if you've ever been in a pigsty or in a, on, a, on a hog farm of any kind, it's unpleasant. It stinks. There's stuff everywhere that you won't want to be stepping in. This was the world he was living in. That's where his sinful living had landed him. And so he had two choices. He could basically die. Or he could take a chance and go back to his father and ask for forgiveness. What a choice. In a sense, his choice was to continue being prideful, to continue being greedy, and to allow himself to die a spiritual and physical death. Or he could lay all that pride aside and go home and hope that his dad would take him back. And I imagine, especially since he said, I'm, I, I would rather be a servant in my dad's house because I'm not worthy to be his son anymore. I can imagine the last thing he expected when he got home was a party. But that's exactly what he found. To the point that when he was far away, when he was probably at the edge of his father's property, his father got wind that he was coming and he ran to him. He ran to him. And this was a big deal because elderly Jewish men simply did not do this. They didn't run for anything unless something was chasing them. And they for sure didn't run to another person in this sense. But the father, because he had such compassion and love for his son, 
Put all of that pride aside. And he was probably wearing a, a tunic or something of that um, something of that effect and had to pull it up a little bit to keep from tripping, but he went and he ran to his son because he loved him that much. Again, something that's just not done. And the son is welcomed back not as a servant. His father won't even hear it. His son didn't even get to finish his statement. He said, welcome home, son. Hugged him. Said, go get my robe, my finest robe, and put it on him. Go get some sandals for his feet. Because slaves and employees of families, they didn't wear shoes. They didn't wear sandals. But he said, get this boy a pair of shoes. And put the family signet ring on his finger. We are reconciled. He is home. He was dead, but now he is alive. And then if, you, if you're the son and you're thinking, well, this was unexpected. I wasn't expecting all of this. I, I, I was expecting to be a slave. Well, no, it got better. <laughs> they fired up the grill next. Something I love to do, by the way. But he said, go kill the calf. We're going to have some hamburgers and steaks. And we're going to do all this to celebrate the fact that my boy is home. Now, a fattened calf, in the sense that we're talking about it, was enough to feed an entire village. So this meant the whole town was probably going to come to this celebration. A picture of heaven, if you ask me. All of those people celebrating with the father that his son had returned home. The brother, however, the older brother, is not happy about this, and he protests when he gets home and finds out about all of this, but then his father says no. He was dead, he was lost, but now he's alive and he's found. Yes, we're going to celebrate this, and brother, you ought to be celebrating too. Because he has come home. So, have we thought much about who these people are? You know, Jesus didn't give any names in the parable, but he, we know exactly who they are, if we really think about it. And here's who I think they are. The prodigal son is us. Because at any point in our lives, we've all done some stupid stuff. We've made some bad choices. Maybe, unfortunately, maybe we're still making some bad choices today. But the prodigal son has hit rock bottom and he knows that he's done wrong and he wants to return home. And in this sense, he's us because we know that through our sins we hurt God greatly. You know, sin certainly makes God angry. We've seen that in Scripture. But you know what it also does? It breaks his heart. Because that's not what he desired from us. That's not what we were created for. And we ask God to forgive us and feel like that we have done such bad things that there's no way he's ever going to accept us. But he does. Because the father in the story here is God. 
Because when we repent and we come home, he doesn't condemn us. He doesn't make us a slave in his field. No, what he does is he runs to us with arms wide open and he says, son or daughter, whatever the case is, welcome home. Welcome home. Let me make you a meal. Let me give you some new clothes. Let me give you this new identity because you are no longer who you were. You are my beloved. And that's how you'll be treated. Here's the best I have to offer. And then the whole town, the heavenly hosts, they're celebrating right along with him. Because a sinner has come home. But here's the rub too. The older brother is also us. The older brother may have been, was obviously in this sense faithful to the father this whole time doing anything he asked. He says, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait just a minute. This sinner has been off with, with whoever doing whatever. And you're throwing a party? He doesn't deserve that. He deserves punishment. And we've all felt that way at some point when a sinner has turned their life around and we go, well, they're being blessed, but we've been faithful this whole time. And what about us? But then we're reminded by the Father of the importance of grace and the importance of mercy. And that likewise, that's what we ought to practice too. And here's what's true about every single one of us. Is that at some point, we're all prodigal sons. We're all prodigal daughters. And we're also the brother. When we should be acting like the father. So here's my question to you, brother and sister. Have you turned your life around? Have you come home to God? Have you reconciled with your Father through Jesus Christ? Do you need to come home? Or maybe you're thinking, I'm good. And maybe you are. I pray that you are. Who needs to know that they're welcome to come home? Who do you know who needs to know that the Father is ready to welcome them home with open arms as well? Does God want to use you to bring them back to the farm, to bring them back to his house, to bring them back to the table? Who is that person? We all know at least one. So come home. As we sang earlier, oh sinner, come home. And bring others with you. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.